Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Office Hours. This is the Tahiti edition, uh, teaching a mastermind here in Tahiti and dealing with the adaptable routine to help others help others. And I have my cohort in crime, the dose of positivity. I don't know where his cool logo went, but lean over a little bit. If you haven't read the mindset, heart set, and hand set of getting dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins into your life, Mike Diamond is our diamond in the rough who's always here for joining me my friend thanks for having me what three years Mike unbroken disappears i'm always here <laughs> yeah well i think he's on an ayahuasca not to throw him under the bus so we're probably this is wacky wednesday but not that wacky yet uh yet, we're, we're working on it and our, our next guest though tobias has been uh patiently here uh he is the president of willow tree based in charlottesville is just north of the golf course that I own there in Amherst, Virginia. And he has a great book, The Sound of the Future, Coming Age of Voice of Technology. Thanks for joining us, Tobias. David, thanks for having me. You got to swing awesome. by here in Charlottesville next time you're at your golf course. Yeah, right down third one, right? Is that right where uh, we are, where UVA is? Um, but it's so interesting, um, as president of Willow Tree, which is the telephony, um, the technology, especially around voice, is going to impact us tremendously. And uh, we can either see that as a hindrance or as a master that we should be afraid of, or we can see it for what I do and have since 1990. I got involved in early chasm internet, uh, that it's one of the greatest servants uh, to provide us unlimited capability. Uh, why do people have so much difficulty finding the dose of positivity in technology, something as simple as voice technology, uh, comparatively uh, to other things that happen in our lives. They, they see it as a void or a shortage instead of, wow, what can I do with this? Yeah, I think some of it is mistakes the industry has made, right? Um, and not using voice the right way. Usually when a new technology happens, people try and use it the way they use the old technology. And what you got to understand about voice is the reason we love it is it's so fast for us to speak to devices, right? We can speak three times as fast as we can type. So we want to talk all the time. The problem is when these experiences like Siri and Alexa got designed, they became two, two-way voice. And we don't want to listen to devices. That's super slow. Like you'll remember like movie phone, you asked it and it listed all the movies and blah, that was slow. You want to ask your app, like your Regal app that says, hey, what movies are playing tonight? And it gives it to you on a screen. And then you say, all right, give me two tickets to Star Wars. And now it's super fast, multimodal. And so, you know, when we were looking at what was going on five, six years ago, all these people were buying Alexas and they were into Siri, but it didn't actually really take off because we as an industry weren't deploying it right. And that is changing as we speak. And now all these devices are going to be voice powered, but for humans to talk to machines, not humans to listen to machines. Well, so, so then, all right, boy, that's brilliant. Yeah, I never thought of it like that. So is that what it's going to be? That's the future now. And if people don't catch up, they're just going to be left behind. Is that where it's going? That's where it's going. And I think what we got to understand is we're going to be talking to every single device we interact with, right? One, one example we use in the book is pilots um, that, you know, you look at the 737 MAX accidents at Boeing, it was because the pilots couldn't communicate with the plane. They just, they were using 
like buttons and they were trying to tell it what to do and they couldn't in real time, um, they're going to be fully voiced cockpits. And that's just not made up. The, the U.S. Air Force is using those right now. The Russian Air Force is using those. And it's just an example is what, you know, why do we have to use our hands to type or use knobs or what? We're just going to be telling machines what to do all the time. It's really interesting because, you know, early on in 92, when I was working with Westlaw and later on uh, with Samsung and the CEO, and they actually were utilizing it with voice commands. So, you know, being able to have the command, but have the interaction and the innovation on the screen. So instead of having to touch it or type it in, uh, all of these things that create more inefficiencies and efficiencies and more inaccuracies, uh, we were able now to do what literally um, was done in minutes and days and seconds and moments. Um, what are some of the other applications today when we're looking in this aspect of voice command and voice interaction more than you know, a du full duplex conversation, which is, I think, what you're getting at. It's very difficult and cumbersome to have a full duplex conversation with technology. Uh, what are some of the other aspects um, that we can see uh, to utilize this type of technology with? So, I mean, one of the things we like to say is the whole paradigm is backwards because we talk about smart speakers. Really, it should be smart mics, and they're going to be everywhere. So I'll give you an example, you know, doctors reading radiology slides, all voice all the time, transcribed immediately, everything we order, every app we interact with, transcribed immediately. When you visit your physician right now, I don't know how your experience is. My, my experience is I talk to my physician and here she's typing the whole time because they're I'm like, this is a terrible experience. I'm saying <laughs> it and now a doctor is transcribing it real time. The system's going to pick up what I'm saying show it to them on the screen, show them likely ailments that are based on real-time analysis. And so a lot of this is happening right now because, because of the, the underlying Gen AI that allows the system to interpret voice so much better. As you point out, some, some form of voice has been around for 30, 40 years of technology, but A, it was super slow because it was the computers weren't powerful enough, but B, all the AI technology has unleashed it. And that's kind of our point is we're sitting on the edge of the unleashing of voice and every business better be thinking about how they're going to use it to make their employees two or three times as productive as they are today or, or improve the interaction with their end users. And we just had our interns here. Uh, they just finished a couple months ago. And I said, I am so jealous of you guys because this is like this is like 1997, like when the internet was about to happen and all of us were like, oh my God, we're going to start these amazing businesses. And then a little bit that happened again with mobile, with the iPhone. Like this is the first wave like that in a good 10, 12 years. And, you know, there's just going to be so many opportunities unleashed. How do, all right, so all this stuff is so great, but the schooling system is so dated that the way they teach kids, how does the schooling system reteach and retrain kids because what's the point of a kid sitting there typing stuff and doing stuff if they can voice command it how does that catch up i mean the schools have to change everything they're doing i mean partially with voice partially chat gpt like the teaching kids right now the the, the schools are pulling things out and, and they're blocking a lot of these technologies that's really analogous to 30, 40 years ago. A lot of schools wouldn't allow you to use a calculator or yeah, they wouldn't allow you to use a computer to type anything. You had to write it by hand. And it's like so backwards. Like they should be embracing this stuff because these kids want to use it. And my, you know, 
my kids use their voice systems all the time. I did a post the other day on LinkedIn. Uh, my 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 kids are big Cowboys fans. They wanted to watch the Sunday night game, and I told my ten year old, "You got to go to bed at halftime." And he's got had this huge tantrum, and he ran over to the Google assistant, and he says, "He says, hey Google, what are boarding schools for sixth graders?" And then Google, <laughs> Google says, "I think it was Worcester Academy." And then Max says, "Hey Google." Do me an application to Worcester Academy. And so, I mean, that's what the kids are going to expect, that everything is just a command to the system. That really debunked uh, the foreign language aspect as well. My 13-year-old who's studying Spanish is like, Dad, you're transcribing and translating into 133 languages, and it's moving your lips. Uh, why do I need to learn Spanish? You, you learn Spanish and you're not using it. Uh, so there's some great, great things that we'll see with these amazing open minds of the future. If you want to understand the sound of the future, utilization of the coming age of voice technology, probably better than Tobias Dingle to help us. President Willow Tree, based in Charlottesville, I'm going to come visit you, my friend. You'll have to uh, give us the floor tour. I've been Dragon Dictate World uh, since 1992 when I had to read an entire novel just so I could learn. Uh, to be slip, fall in a grocery store for legal research. So I'm super excited. Go to testangle.com, get your book, learn about the future. It'll have a huge ROI if you know how to use voice effectively. Come back and visit you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. We'll have you back. Thank you. What a great. Awesome. I, I love when you use your response. You're like, whoa, I've never thought of that. <laughs> it's true it's like it's, i love it it's, it's, we get so many great guests here that it, it, it opens my mind to so many people i love it it's just like oh wow it's amazing yeah me too it's amazing smart smart mics instead of smart speakers that's a great lesson from tobias which is awesome <laughs> I think See, you stole the mic. <laughs> exactly uh well hopefully we got on here uh next i just saw his ea Exit for a second. We look, are we we good or should I? Uh, is that there? lost him? We lose. Should bring Luke, let's interview Reluca here. Hold on. Hi, Reluca. Hello. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> that looks like a beautiful house you're in. Yes, <laughs> it's amazing. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like my house. <laughs> what, 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 why? Why? She Why did Adam run away? Do you know? I don't know. He was just here. He was ready to go. So um, I'll reach out think to him. He didn't pay, maybe he didn't pay his internet bill. Probably. Imagine if Luca becomes like one of those people that you end up putting on the internet that she never leaves your house and kicks you out. You're like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, right. You work for me. Not anymore. Well, I tell you, <laughs> takes your house, takes everything. Well, my <laughs> is so good that she told me that uh, Miles is no problem. He's a polite and well-behaved young man it's the dog uh that's the maintenance uh, side of things so learning oh, our lessons God. we're looking since we have gone for a second i know tobias is still here what was your biggest takeaway you're younger far than Mike and i um and for me it was a huge paradigm shift even though i've been involved in you know voice recognition uh for for a long time ivrs were pathetic when i started um was there something that shocked you yeah, I mean, um, I think it's the mindset shift and how adaptable we have to become nowadays, like technology and AI is moving so rapidly. And I feel like people are resisting to change and the more resisting 
you're going to be to change, the harder it's going to be for you. And I feel like the more open minded, hearted and hinted you're going to be, the easier it's going to be for you. So I feel like we have to embrace the change with ease. Yeah. I know Tobias is here. Tobias, can I bring you back on? Give me a thumbs up if it's okay. Perfect. Okay. So Tobias, one of the other things that's interesting and, you know, venture capitalist myself and seeing hundreds of millions of dollars being invested in companies that overnight become obsolete. Uh, and I've seen it in voice and, and a variety of places. Um, how can, you know, someone protect themselves uh, from advancement of technology as we're trying to build these businesses and it takes time you know, it's kind of like building a, a warship. It takes like 17 years and I've been consulting for stadiums and they want me to talk about how do we implement certain technologies in stadiums. Like by the time you build the stadium, the technology exists that you're going to need in the stadium. So keeping an open-ended architecture, is there some sort of collaborative or perspective in developing technology when things are moving so rapidly so that you don't invest hundreds of millions of dollars in something that may be obsolete? Yeah, I think the key is avoiding lock-in, right? That you just, to your point, you have open architecture so you can switch out different providers um, super easily and super quickly and you're not locked into any one platform for any period of time because all that is going to shift. One of our, and, and we don't know how it's going to shift. People ask me, all right, I believe I buy your voice thing. Now tell me what I should invest in and what company I should start. I'm like, I, I don't, I, was, I always say, look, when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone, who was sitting in the audience saying, you know who screwed the taxi industry because someone's going to do ride sharing? Like that, right. that took like two years, three years, four years. And I think those are always the second and third order things that are so hard to predict right at this time. All I can tell you as a listener is start using it, get involved in it, start thinking of use cases uh, because there will be a ton of startups. Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting, and you brought it up with Uber, um, in you know, ventures I've worked with in you know, understanding regulation and how to apply the iPhone to regulation. Uh, but you still need to work in the political realm of getting the laws changed. Um, what, what I would think would be interesting is when we take a technology uh, like voice and we say, okay, plumbers are gonna exist. You know, no matter how great AI is, you're going to still need some to unclog pipes. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, you know, how does voice in this respect, you know, create greater margins and efficiencies within the plumbing industry? And I think a lot of people, you know, Warren Buffett, I think is really good at that. He'll, you know, invest in train when everyone else is investing in, in these other things. And he, and he realized wow, with all these great technologies, I don't care who wins, someone's going to deliver stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's, so it's really interesting. Are there some, you know, traditional businesses like Cobbs or Plumbing uh, where you see total antiquated use of voice right now? Well, I think Plumbing, let's just use that as an example. There's going to be one or more companies that come up with voice-based solutions that change the plumbing industry. And how does that manifest itself. It's probably how you order, you know, how you get a plumbing appointment as a consumer, you're going to do it via voice and you can, in a response-based thing, very quickly say, all right, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I'll be at the house. Boom, see you there. But for the plumbers themselves, having, doing all their scheduling via voice, and then they're going to be at your house 
And by the way, the biggest problem a plumber has, they get into your house and you've got a specific problem specific, and they've got to figure out how to order the part. And they are going to be able to enter, to, to open their voice-based app and said, hey, I'm standing in front of this sink and I need this part for it and it'll be done for them. And now that that has become, and that's taken probably 20 or 30 minutes out of their time, right? And so it's going to be using those little efficiencies that are going to make a huge difference. One of our favorite examples in the book is Cathay Pacific Airlines. Their crews have eight minutes to clean the entire airplane, but when they're going through it, they often find problems like, the, okay, seat back, 13C is broken. Today, they got to take an app out. It takes them like five minutes, and they've only got eight minutes to clean the plane. They have already deployed voice where the person just picks up their app and says, hey, we have a problem in 13C, and they keep moving. And so those are the, like, every industry is going to get changed by just the automation that voice allows for. Uh, I can't All right, move. so here's a Thank question you. for you. Well, we, got, we, have, we have Neil here. Yeah, no, we, we, got, we got extended time. We got to send him an extra check. You know how the media works. I'm, so I uh, appreciate goodbye. it, guys. Come visit <laughs> us at UVA. Go Wahoos. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Come, and come back and visit us. We have other shows as well. So we really appreciate right. your time. That was great. great. Thanks so much. Bye you bye. guys are great. Uh, so paradigm great. shift time. That, that's amazing. All right, Neil's in the house right on time. Uh, we've heard of Neil Simon. Is Neil Seaman is here. And Hi there. Hi, David. Hi, Mike. Hey. Great to have you. Serial entrepreneur, author, educator, and an advocate for an area you in extensively with mental health as an advocate there. Um, and we want to talk about your new book, Accelerated Minds, which is relevant to what we were just talking about with technology. Um, and, you know, there is a, con a, con a contemplated and collaborative uh, mind that is needed in order to not feel separate or anxiety from the advancements in technology, for example, or the advancements of communications and, you know, the things that happen in organization being overwhelmed or procrastination. Um, and they really seem to be hand in hand. Um, what do you mean an accelerated mind? And is it applicable to the accelerated world that we're living in? Uh, the last question, the answer is yes, David, for sure. Um, as a really good overview. I mean, we're running too fast in entrepreneurialism, right? So in my book, I'm advocating for um, uh, long-termism, right? A focus on building things of value uh, for, for, for uh, things to last and away from short-termism. And so we as entrepreneurs, right, we beat up on ourselves a lot. Um, we, uh, we hate bullies, but uh, the people we bully the most are often ourselves. Um, and so I talk about that in my book. Um, it's it's a, a note that seems to resonate a lot with scientists. Uh, this book was dedicated to my father. He passed away a couple of years ago. He was a famous brain scientist who discovered essentially how dopamine, the chemical works in the brain for mental health um, uh, diagnoses. And in entrepreneurs, we know that we've got 10 times higher rate of bipolar We've got high rates of ADHD, twice the rates of psychiatric hospitalization and suicide. Vulnerability and empathy is the thing we like to see in others, but we as entrepreneurs, we don't talk about it uh, because our brains are too accelerated and we got to slow them down. Neil, I'm so glad you said that. Um, someone asked me the other day, like I, I've got ADHD, dyslexia, I mean, recovering only 18 years and I'm writing a new book and I, I type everything and he's like, dude, just do voice. Like, no, no, I need to type, I need to write. 
And he's like, why? And I'm like, because I need that. I need to slow down and concentrate and do those things. So going back to how we moving quickly and, and before everything voice commands, I was reading this great study on, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia, because we're not spending those times to, you know, keep those neural pathways working. In your book, do you talk about that? Because a lot of people, like I do like deep stretching. I do these things to slow myself down because I'm nuts. I move way too quick and I have to ground myself. Do you talk about those things that we have to do cognitively to slow ourselves down? First of all, Mike, let me tell you, I'm nuts too. Um, so I, <laughs> I'm a part of the tribe. Um, but uh, yeah, I talk about, so scientifically, the term is, is a fancy word. It's called neuromodulation, right? So you can have I talk about this, you can have medical interventions, right? Deep brain stimulation, um, a whole range of initiatives. But what I talk about is tools to slow yourself down that have been proven effective, right? So we know, for example, journaling, writing things down is very powerful. Gratitude journals, um, forced laughter 15 minutes every day um, can be very powerful. Literally the act of, of smiling and laughing um, forcing yourself to do that can slow yourself down. I have a new tool now. I force myself to wear sandals um, uh, during the day. It's a bit of an odd thing. I'm in, I'm in Canada and I wear sandals every day, but I do it because it helps me slow down. I was wearing running shoes up like all my life up until like a year ago. And it just intuitively made me run faster, too fast. Wow. Wow. And so there's, challenges there's breathing uh there's meditation what are some of you know your favorite modalities and methodologies in order to have the dose of positivity to bring back the control by looking within not looking outside of us yeah so um what i like to say there's there's hacks right like there's a bunch of things so you you hear about people doing ice baths and cold showers and undoubtedly okay that does work for some people. Um, but what I like to preach is that so much comes down to your community, right? So you need to build um, a, like a phalanx, like a group of tight people around you, they, especially your significant other. Too many entrepreneurs, you know, they don't have a sufficiently close or transparent relationship with their significant other. And too many of us, we think of entrepreneurs as solo superheroes, but really it's about a unit, right? Or a family unit. And you need that group, whoever they are, your co-founders. And so just traveling in a group and having people say, hey, okay, David, Mike, you, you know, you're, you're just falling off a little bit here. And these are not your board members. These are not your employees. They're people. So that tool is incredibly effective. I do believe in, I'm kind of on with Mike, I, like I write a lot. Um, it's very, very powerful. Um, uh, and, and expressions of gratitude and empathy are very powerful. I think also um, for me, understanding the data is really important. Like understanding that you're not alone. I had um, a gentleman who called me uh, to tell me that um, my book saved his marriage. And I, I said, well, what, like, what are you talking about? And I, I was so intrigued by this. And he said, well, it was the first time because the book had been excerpted a little bit in, in a major media. And um, he said, well, it was my first time my wife saw the statistics on how frequent it is that entrepreneurs have difficulties, addictions, three times the rate of addictions, substance use, a whole range of issues. And so it was very empowering to him and to her. 
And the problem is, right, we talk about so much about work-life balance for employees, but we like how often do we talk about balance for 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 entrepreneurs, right? Um, so so bottom line, David, is I like some of the hacks, but I think just being um transparent with the ones close to us is the most important. Yeah, I love that you said that community built that oxytocin. And you know, I love what you said. And and then so all right, so during COVID, people got hit so bad because they couldn't get around people. You know what I mean? A lot of people suffered in yeah. silence. So for people that are more introverted, what's, what's your way? Do you think they should go online and try Because some people aren't like Dave and I. We're extroverted. We get around people. What's your you know method for someone that's a little bit more introverted and you know they, they don't want to get vulnerable, they're afraid, they're being rejected a lot. How do you, you know, prescribe them to try to get help? Yeah, Mike. So I'm 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 an introvert. Um, I'm a big fan of of Susan Cain, who I should say uh, endorsed endorsed my book. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, what I'm saying here is that uh, so entrepreneurs like to take leaps, right? Like leaps of faith, like Schopenhauer said, and 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 so it's inherent in the entrepreneurial mindset to take take a leap. Um, and I think what for me is involved is as an individual, as a bit of an introvert, I take a leap in genuinely being in awe of other people. They're often other entrepreneurs. And I literally reach out to them. I call, I call Mike, I like pick up the phone <laughs> and I call um, old school telephone call. And I say, let's get together one-on-one -on -one or have a virtual meet one-on-one. -on -one. And so it's a way to play to my entrepreneurial instincts, which are um, curiosity and awe. And then at the same time, build a genuine relationship there. So that's how I do it um, as an, as an introvert and it helps others too. Great. Yeah, and we really have to look at, especially uh, in the entrepreneurial space, you know, how do we deal with too much options, too many opportunities and touches of favor. And I think size, scope and scale uh, as an entrepreneur of so many different areas that we need or have opportunity. We're in the old days when you put up a brick and mortar, that's really what an entrepreneur was in a service industry or a store industry. Um, it just didn't have as many. It was a controlled environment. Uh, by the community that was available. When you have 7.6 billion people available to you and all types of these resources becomes overwhelming and the accelerated mind becomes a disruptive and a diseased mind. And uh, whether it's the hack, what I, what I love is that, you know, if you take a shortcut, you're eventually going to have to go to the end of the line. So whether it's, you know, the, the cold bath or the meditation, we, we have to have, like you said, uh, a foundational shift in our paradigm of saying, I, I'm just not going to get everything done. Uh, and so things like doing our best, learning lessons and having fun are even more important than, you know, some sort of bath in the morning or meditation, I feel. And Neil, your book reveals that uh, the simplicities uh, of the solution. And I think that's important. Uh, make sure that you back, please impact even more people. Let's uh, try to keep people at ease, especially in the entrepreneurial space. All three of us, we paid the tax. Let's allow the future entrepreneurs to save the world without the disease that we put ourselves through. And I know Mike feels the same way. Neil Seaman, uh, check out neilseaman.com. Accelerated Minds is a great book if you're an entrepreneur to put yourself at ease. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, David. You take care. Thank guys. you. Be well, I really we'll enjoy it. We'll have you back. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. All right. We got another legend coming here. Keith King, the double KK. 
Global Sports <laughs> Entertainment Hospitality Leader based in our hometown. We should get together with him at Fine Mike. Uh, Keith, oh, welcome yeah. to Office Hours. Hey, thanks so much for having me. How are you, Jensen, well, today? We're amazing, and you couldn't ask for a better cleanup hitter. Uh, you know, as we are looking at technology and looking at all the virtual from voice to data aspect of our lives, uh, there is a thirst for experience and engagement. Um, and we see people like Taylor benefiting from it with the billions of dollars uh, that she's able to garner by bringing people who want to see her live uh, when her stuff available right now on YouTube. If you want to listen to her, go ahead and grab a, <laughs> a chance. Why is uh, the experience state of things so much more valuable today with all of the technology that's available um, and the role that hospitality is playing in providing uh, that fa fan experience uh, today comparatively to the past? Well, I think they intersect. So, you know, coming out of the pandemic, people were starving for a live event experience. Again, we see them spending money. Consumers are spending money in, the, in that segment uh, versus a lot of other segments that are down. Live event, live event space, thankfully, is still up. But with the use of technology coming in, it increases the fan experience. It increases the engagement. It gives the owners of clubs, let's say you're an NFL owner, MLB owner, whatever, you're an artist. It gives them immediate access to data, real-time data. It, same thing for food operators, merch operators in the space. They can see what sales, what per caps, what, what they're looking at for per caps. So they can actually pivot in their business real-time to accommodate the fans and create that great experience. It used to be for artists, artists would always say, and some still say, they control everything up until the edge, edge of the stage. So they can deal with the sound, the lighting, they bring their crews in, but the rest of the arena is operated by a venue operator. Well, now with technology that's bridging that gap and, and making it, let's say a cleaner environment, a better environment for the fans, for the artists, for the athletes, for everyone in a building, basically. So here's a question, Keith. Let's just say we get shut down again another lockdown. Have we prepared and learned from our lessons before to take the technology we have to still be able to do these things? Or are we still like in, in, in no man's land? I'm sorry, you mean shut down? Uh, in just, say, just say, just say, because the world's crazy. Just say we had another pandemic. You know how we had to adapt from the pandemic and it destroyed right. life, it destroyed that, that business. Then we had to adjust, right? And we had to like, how do we kind of put this together? So now we've adjusted. So let's just say five, 10 years from now, we have another crazy pandemic and we shut down. Have we learned to adapt to take this technology or are we just like, oh, it's there, we'll just use it when we use it? Can we still move forward if something bad happens again? Sure. I mean, there are going to be impacts to the business, of course, but the technology now enables us to have other revenue streams, other verticals. So for one, in-seat um, in gaming right now. So you could be at some NFL games and actually gambling. If we were to have, God forbid, another pandemic where players are on the field playing, no fans in the stadium, you still have that tech technology piece where fans at home or wherever they might be can still bet on the games and interact on the games. You're still going to lose the revenue from F&B, yeah. other, other verticals, but you're still capturing some of that sales 
and you're engaging the fans at the same time. So yes, we have learned and we have adapted. Um, it used to be said that you know um, the live event space was recession proof, and they're absolutely right. But it wasn't pandemic proof, so we learned from that. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. We learned from it, but you still can't. You still get impacted on some of the some of the engagement and some of the vertical uh, businesses. And one of the key components of hospitality has been and always will be food. Uh, yes. Whether it was as simple as Dodger Dog or sushi at Petco, uh, people will attend events uh, for the quality service and food that's provided. And guys have really led the way uh, in the industry. What do you think the key components? Uh, because a lot of stadiums fail, and they fail with pricing, they fail with service, and they fail with quality of food uh, or packaging. When you're looking at being the best at what you what are some of the things that make quality hospitality and fan experience uh, equivalent when you're paying that much for a ticket? Yeah, that's a great question. I love you bring up sushi at Petco with the Padres. I want to say the Padres organization, their food service operator, was the first to have fresh catch from the ocean served at the ballpark that night which is obviously a big, big deal. On the F&B side, it's a culinary vision. You have to have a culinary team that has a culinary vision that can uh, deliver on multiple levels. It's challenging in an arena, ballpark, or, or an NFL stadium um, in that you're going to be serving a wide range on a menu. You know, you're going to have your staples of hot dogs, hamburgers, but you're also going to want the sushi and the sweets. You're also going to want... Um, exclusive items in the suites. So the people paying the premium ticket prices expect to be wowed in the club level, the suite level. And that all starts with a culinary vision. A, a, a culinary team designs the menu specifically for the target market and deploys that. I can tell you um, uh, my former company, we did that up at Seattle with the Mariners. We partnered with uh, a local chef who's very famous, and we transformed the hospitality experience there and did the same up with the San Francisco Giants. And it not only transforms the guest and fan experience, but that also translates into revenue for both the operator, the club, and, and you can hire more people. It becomes a win-win scenario. Yeah, and just to point out, Mike, too, the technology has helped with how long you stand in line. If you have to stand in line, getting fresher, hotter, or colder food. Uh, you know, some of us that are older have, you know, really endured a lot of, you know, melted things and freezing things and mis misplay because of long lines for the good stuff. Uh, and so I know, you know, looking at you able to implement technology as well to transform uh, you know, the, the expectation that, you know, people actually go to stadium for a culinary experience beyond the game and they're willing to pay for it. Uh, go ahead, Mike, hit our home run to finish up. Yeah, no, that was so great because I never looked at it like that when you said sushi at the, the Padre Stadium because I was like, sushi, eating sushi at a stadium, you get sick. But like, what, <laughs> you, no, you uh, know what I'm saying? It's like, that was that joke. Never eat like, you know, because it's fish and gas, gas station sushi. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's crazy. So, so Keith, where did you, I mean, it's such a, what you're doing now is such a high level. Um, 
what what are the is there any downsides can you keep it at this level like what what that that because now the expectation with technology like dave said to service we want everything like micro like now i want it now i don't want to miss the game how do we keep that 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 running of like that so people don't get disappointed because people's expectations now are through the roof yeah and that's a great question too the, you know we're going to see more automation with automation you lose you know that that one-to-one -one interaction, but you also gain, you know, you slow, your transaction times change. So, you know, you'll see in stadiums now, um, company I've worked with, Tended Bar, automated cocktail dispensing system. So once a fan is loaded in the system with their ID, facial recognition, they can walk up, order a drink, have a cocktail served within 30 seconds, and it goes to their credit card and they're out or you know, pizza, picnic pizza, or flippy burger. All this automation is helping move, move, the, move the lines, keep it flowing. And we're gonna see more and more of that, especially now in the hospitality space where it's really challenging the staff up, especially for big events. So I, I think more and more automation. Yeah, and we, uh, we have many synergies out in LA. I'm currently working with Pringle Rolls, which is in, robotic deliveries and ordering and cleaning. There's so many different things that we can do today to help uh, the demand and speed and efficiency and accuracy of that culinary and hospitality that we are now demanding, not even expecting demanding, uh, especially with prices of tickets continually on the rise. Uh, but we want to have you back, Keith. We have many places uh, and many synergies in our life. Uh, a leader in global sports, a legend in entertainment and hospitality, uh, if you want to check out the best, check out Keith King uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, you can't get someone that knows more in the industry, billing in billions of dollars. Uh, if you want to know a credible, a credible source for uh, information and efficiency, Keith, thanks for educating us and cleaning up this great day here on Office Hours. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time, Chad. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you. you too. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Uh, he started, I know you're going to run because you stole a microphone. You're probably on the run. Yeah, Julie, Julie delivered it back. But I, real, real takeaway real quick. What do you got for me? Well, yeah, what I like is like you, you've got to be up with the times. You can't be ignorant of the technology, but you also got to be grounded in yourself. And don't copy someone else's rituals and routines. Look, everyone has to have a cold shower. Do what's right for you. Do you know what I mean? And figure out what's right for you, but don't be ignorant. Times are changing, stab with the times. You know, funny too, I took away, uh, uh, talk about two things, applying our why and applying technology instead of searching for the why and searching for the end technology. Um, you know, I think that was a huge takeaway for me when it's like, hey, you're gonna make a big mistake if the technology or your why is an end or an outcome but if you apply your why or apply technology to what you do today, it can create great value um, in both respects, emotionally and financially. Mike Diamond, a dose of positivity. Thank you always being here. Uh, Michael Unbroken seems to be broken. Maybe he'll <laughs> he, broke. he broke King <laughs> Columbia. He's broke. Club broke is broke. <laughs> it's so easy to make fun of him when he's not here. We'll have to make fun of him when he is here. Mike Diamond, everyone, if you're not following him, please do buy the book. Be positive, stay positive, be happy, stay Thanks, happy, mate. my friend. Bye, mate. Thank you, mate. Bye, brother. Bye. I love him. 
All right, everyone, we're in Tahiti, and that doesn't suck. We are teaching at the Inner Circle Mastermind, and that doesn't suck. And uh, I have a great team and producers. Raluca Gigio, thank you. Just uh, an amazing life. David at dmelter.com. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow.